Open your Bible to Hosea chapter 14. I want to read again. I've read this several times over the last few weeks, beginning there in verse 1. This book is about a picture of God and his people, Israel, the elect of God, chosen by God, set apart by God, redeemed by God. And he's, he was married unto her. This is his bride. And he, saw, and he shows in this prophet here, Hosea, he told him to marry a woman who was a harlot. And that's a picture of us. And wasn't long after they was married and had children, she left. She went back to her old ways. She went back after her former lovers. The Lord said, I will hedge up her way with thorns, and she will not be able to find her lovers. And the reason he did that is because he loved her. He never stopped loving her. That is hard for us to grasp, everlasting, eternal love, that there has never been a time that God has not and will not love his people because he loves us in his darling son. That's the only way God can love us. As you pointed out, it's without a cause. There's no cause, whether good or bad, in us whereby he loves us. But he said, Israel, return to the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquities. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. If you ever come to a place, and there's a lot of times we come to that place, we just don't know how to pray. You could say that right there. Take away all iniquity, all my sin, all my rebellion, and receive me. How can he receive? Graciously. Graciously. So will we render the calves or the praise of our lips, and we will praise him. Let all the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You mean he would love someone like this, Gomer? Look at Israel. Israel, the nation of Israel, apart from Judah, Israel, never had one good king, not one. They were always worshiping something false, some false god. And he still loved them. They never gave him credit. They basically, her affection should have been set upon the man who loved her and chose her and married her and redeemed her. But no, they're set on everything else. And he still loved her. See, we don't know anything about that. We reach a point where we go, that's enough. I've had all I can take. But not the Lord. You know what this is? This is grace. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. The song is grace that is greater than all our sin. And she said in verse 3, Asher shall not save us. You'll confess that. No one can save us. You can't save us. We can't save ourselves. We, won't, we will not ride upon horses. We won't look to anything, any strength. 
Neither will we say any more to the works of our hands, you are our gods. For indeed the fatherless findeth mercy. And he said, I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. For my anger is turned from him. These are promises. And God says, I will. You can bank on it that he will. He's not going to try. He will. It's not up to your will. It's his will. He said, I will heal their backslide. He didn't say, I will try to heal it. I will heal it. He's the only one that can. It is. It leaves such a black scar. We're so tainted with sin. But I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Our God is a consuming fire. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And you perish from the way when his anger is kindled but just a little. But he said, I will turn away mine anger. And the only way he can turn away his anger is because he heals our backsliding. He will love us freely. And he turns away his anger because his anger has been satisfied. He loves her freely. Now it brings us to verse 5 through 7. This is what we'll be looking at today. And here's another I will. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his shoots as Lebanon's. Always notice in the scripture when God says, I will, we shall. Not might be, she shall, and I shall, he shall. When he's the dew unto Israel, he sh- Israel shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches, branches shall spread forth and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return They shall revive as the corn and shall grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Though we fall, and we do, though we fall, the scripture says seven times a day, he will raise us up again. He's describing when he does something, there is, an effect, there is a cause and effect. When he does something, there's, there's going to be a manifestation that he's done something. He says, I'm going to do something for Israel. I'm going to do something for them. In Psalms 37, 23 through verse 25, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways, though he fall. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young, and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, or his seed begging bread. He will never forsake those that he loves, never, under no circumstances. He said, I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. Mine anger is turned away from them. What God promises, 
he will perform. It's not empty words. God promised Abraham, and Abraham didn't believe in God. He believed God. And what salvation is, you believe God. You believe you believe him. You trust him. His promise, I will. I will. In these verses, we're going to try to consider, in these figures that are set forth in these verses, the effects of God's grace upon his people. We know what Israel was like, how, what she looked like. Well, is he going to leave her in that state? Well, surely not. Surely not. He didn't leave Gomer in that state. And one day he's going to, he has robed us with his perfect righteousness and we're going to be presented before him faultless. You know what that is? That's the effects of his grace. I will and they shall. I will be as the Jew and they shall grow. Not that they might grow. They all do grow. In these verses... We see the beauty of Israel under the reviving influence of God's favor. It says there in verse 7, they shall revive as the corn. You've heard me say, we, I love to sing that song. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. Let our hearts be rekindled with fire from above. He said, I'm going to revive. He's going to revive us. He's going to revive us. But we see the influence of God's favor. God's favor. Look at the promise he made to Israel. That's the first thing we'll look at. Then we'll look at the influence of divine grace as set forth in these metaphors as a tree and as a lily and as dew and all these things. And then we will see the effect of God's divine grace upon his people. The promise made, I will be as the dew unto Israel. Now, how is God going to describe himself? He describes himself in, in many ways, but these are metaphors. He said, I will be as the dew to Israel. And Israel is compared to a plant. So imagine dew upon a plant. Israel's the plant, but it can't grow without dew. It can't grow without moisture. All of the Lord's plants will be watered by his dew, by his grace. He says in Deuteronomy 32, My, my doctrine thou shalt distill as the dew and as the light rain upon the gentle plant. He said, I will be as the dew unto my people. Others may draw their water from somewhere else. Others may get their water from some other source, but not his people. Where does the dew come from? Well, we know it comes from heaven. It comes from glory. It comes mysterious. I walked out the other, the other evening and it just had gotten just almost good and dark. And they was the heaviest dew I believe I'd ever seen. Then the other morning, we had several cold mornings, 
But it's like yesterday morning, it was not really that cold, but we had one of the largest frosts. Do you know what frost is? It's when the dew freezes. The dew. Can you describe it? No, but you know when you see it. And why does, and God sends, and it's amazing, God gives us all these things, even in nature, to set forth his work toward his people. He said, I'm going to be as the dew to Israel, to Israel. We have to be watered from above, and all his people are. We cannot obtain the dew by our efforts. But where our Lord plants us, he'll water us. You know, when you remember the story of how God sent the manna, you know when he sent the manna at night? You know how he sent it? With the dew. It's still a mystery. I don't understand everything about man. I just know it pictures Christ in so many different ways. He comes from heaven. He comes down. He came with the dew, and when the dew melted off, there was these little little circle things laying all over the ground, and they're going, what is this? It's manna. So there's something to do with the dew and with the manna. It's the bread from heaven. God sent it. Just for Israel, not for every nation. This dew was for them. For them. The dew in the eastern countries has several characteristics. First of all, as I said, it comes down. And so it's so it's so subtle. Don't make any racket, don't make a big disturbance. It just it just comes. You know what our Lord said? They wanted, to, they wanted to see something. They wanted to see something, a big miracle or something. He said the kingdom of God comes without observation. He said it's going to come, you won't even know it. You'll just say, well, where did that come from? How did that come about? Where did that dew come from? That's the same way. It comes without observation. The same way when God saves us a sinner. We can't see the work in their heart. God sees it. He waters what he plants. If he plants the seed, he will water it by his dew and by his grace. It works mysteriously. Salvation is a mystery. It's a mystery of grace. The dew doesn't say, make a big announcement, I'm about to come or I'm about to fall. Someone said conviction, conviction of sin may come like hell pounding against the windows of our house. We know that. We know there's a storm coming. It's making a lot of commotion. But when the Lord came to Elijah, he was not in the storm. He was not in the whirlwind. He was in a still, small voice. And God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's how God works. Men want to see something, don't they? And God works, and he speaks in a still, small voice. That's what he did to Israel. That's what he does to his people, all of his people. It's like, it's like a beautiful flower, like the morning glories or any other flower that opens up 
You just go up there and say, I didn't even know it was opening up. And, uh, and then the evening, it closes back. I remember my grandmother, and I tried to look it up on the Internet, and I couldn't find it. I remember I was just a boy. And I can't remember the plant she had. It had one big bloom on it. And she sat up all night long because that flower would bloom just one day a year. And it bloomed at night. How she knew what day it would open, I don't know. But what she had done, she had got one that was open. In some way, she fixed it so it stayed open. Because, you know, most people would have never believed it. But it was, if you was asleep, you'd have never saw it. If you had known about it, you would have never saw it. But it, that's how a flower just, you know what, that's how God works. Now, sometimes it's not, but most of the time it's just, just like the dew. Now, listen, a lot of us think, because we have our thinking is still all mixed up, that we have no grace because it didn't come with some terrible conviction. Don't ever try to compare what God did for you by somebody else. It's unique. You're his. It's like the man, he opened his eyes. He said, do you see clearly? I see many trees walking. Not everybody that he healed, he healed that same way. But just because you may not feel anything, don't ever mistrust the power of God. Even as preacher, we want we want to see something. We want to see well, we want to see hopeful signs, but it's mysterious. I can't see what's working in your heart. I can't see what you're struggling with, but he does. He does. I will be the dew unto Israel. What our Lord gives is enough for us. You say, well, let's just do. It's enough. He said, my grace is sufficient. If he sees fit, he can withhold the dew. As I thought about, I thought about Gideon. He can put the dew on the fleece, and he can leave the dew everywhere but on the fleece. You know why? He controls the dew. He does. That's such a picture of our Lord. He's he's sovereign, and it's just so simple, so so much like how he works silently at night. We can't see it. Most of the time, we're so unaware of it. We go... How'd that happen? Look what that happened. We could spend a lot of time looking at the metaphor of dew. But the question for you and the question for me is, are we one of the chosen of Israel? This promise is to all God's people. I will be due to them. And he is. Because the evidence of God's divine grace on the soul. What God does, it's an inward work of grace. 
It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But when God does something inside, it will manifest itself outwardly. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Paul said, I believe and therefore I speak. We might not be able to discern how the dew comes, but we can see its effects. The first thing, the first effect, it talks about growing upward. Let me find my scripture. And I will be as the dew to Israel, and he shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. One of the first things he does is make our hearts grow upward. He said he shall grow as a lily. Now, these are not lilies that we plant. These are lilies that just come up natural in a field. Here's what our Lord said. And he told us, he told us in Matthew 6, I mean in Luke, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Luke 12. He said, consider the lilies. Consider them how they grow. How do they grow? They toil not. They spin not. They're not working out there to try to plant themselves. How did they come up? God planted them. They're his plant. Just consider the lilies. They torn it. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of those lilies. They say those lilies, wherever they're at, when the sun comes up, that lily turns toward the eastern sky. And as that sun moves, that lily keeps its eye on the sun. Boy, isn't that a pretty picture? Our hearts are set upon him. That's how we grow. How do we grow? Looking to him. Without sunlight, we'd perish. Consider the lilies, how they grow. You didn't plant them. But they grow. They're his lilies. They grow in a field. They grow without any care or, 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 or labor of their own. And even without the care and management of a gardener. What a blessing to see God's spiritual Israels grow. And they all grow. You know why? He sent them to you. If there was no rain, if there was no dew, they would never grow. Secondly, they not only grow up, they grow down. They cast forth their roots. God's plants, his people, they're not all flowers. They're his roots. They must have roots to survive. Many times we don't grow as fast upward, but we're growing. Sometimes he may have to prune us, but it's all for his people that they would grow. We have to be rooted in humility, but yet growing up in zeal. Sometimes we grow up and sometimes we grow down. He said he cast forth his roots as Lebanon. Now he describes the lily 
how they grow. They grow upward, but now they grow with with roots like a like the like the cedars in Lebanon. We grow less in our own esteem. We once saw ourselves as nothing, but now we see ourselves less than nothing. That's growing in grace. That's her her roots, her, her growing downward. It's a blessing to grow downward. It means stability. This is what it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into, etern- into, into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, he'll make you perfect. He'll make you perfect. He will establish. He will strengthen. He will settle you. And he always will. Because they're his lilies. Then it says, their branches, their roots shall go downward, and their branches shall spread. He has been like a lily straight up with no branches at all. Now his roots go deep into the ground, and now he has branches that just reach out. You know, I read from somewhere, they say as far as the tree's branches reach out, is as far out as the roots go. So if you see a massive tree and its branches just keep reaching out, its roots reach out. That's its stability. Now you may see the branches, you can't see the roots. But there's branches because there's roots. Without roots, they would be no branches. His branches begin to spread. What does this mean? How do we apply this to just us every day? We're not ashamed of him. Our branches begin to spread. Now a person, I've watched people over the years and were hopeful that God had done a work of grace in their heart. And you know, I just leave them alone. And then one day, they came up and said, I want to talk to you, preacher. I got something to talk to you about. And I usually know what it is. They say, I want to be baptized. You know what that is? That's the branches. Reaching out because there's life. They're not ashamed to identify with him. It is evident when the branches spread, it's evident that there's life. You don't light a candle to put it under a bed or under a bushel. If there's grace in the heart, its branches will reach out. That's an evidence of life. He, that's what our Lord said. He shall grow as the lily, shall cast forth his roots as Lebanon, his branches shall spread. Like I said, if there's grace in the heart, it will reach out. If they're, listen to me. No, you listen. If you're a child of God, others will know that something's different. 
It ain't you walking around every day trying to pass out tracks. It's not you running around trying to beat everybody over the head to try to get them converted. They'll know. They'll look at you like they did Peter, and they'll say, Peter, your speech gives you away. Even though he was there, his branches, they, they said, you've been with him. They saw two others preaching. They said they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. Their branches began to reach out. Reach out. And then his beauty is as the beauty of an olive tree. The olive tree is known for its fruitfulness. Someone said the most beautiful olive tree is the one that bears the most fruits. They're just not empty branches. They're full of fruit. Full of fruit. The olive tree is an evergreen. Everything now looks just dead, doesn't it? Now we know there's all those trees look dead. They're alive, but they have no life Manifested. All the leaves are gone, except for them evergreens, except for those holly bushes, except for those pines, those cedars. They're full-time green. Life. It's always manifest that there's life. Our Lord's beauty. That's what his, that's what it is. The beauty, the fruit, the fruit. It never, his beauty never fades. Then he says, he's like the olive tree and his smell shall be as Lebanon. Someone described it, said the smell sets forth the report which will go out concerning a person. It's like someone wearing perfume and they walk into a house, and they leave, but it left a lasting smell. Grace is a distinct smell. I've been around people that it was just a blessing to sit under their branches, and just when they speak, it spoke of him. And then when they left, it was still a fragrance of grace. That's what he's talking about. It has a distinct smell. Everything else is the smell of death. The smell of death. They say as you walk up Lebanon, it is said the flowers of the herbs cast up a most wonderful perfume. It said you can smell a flower at a distance. You've heard me say this, those flowers, they're done about dead now out front. Those are man-made roses. Those are flowers or roses that men have worked with to try to make them before they bloom more. Next time they, they bloom, go out there and try to smell one. They have no smell. It's like religion. It looks real good, but it has no smell. has a lot of blooms but no smell. My father used to have what they called, I don't know how old that old rose was. He didn't have a lot of roses, but man, when he would have one, he could be that big around. And you didn't have to get too about far from me, Jeff, you could smell that rose. It had a distinct smell. About it. And grace has a distinct smell. You can't counterfeit it. It's not something worked up. Everything else is, man, that smells of death. But not this. He said, their smell 
shall be as Lebanon. Why? Because he was the dew that watered the lily. Listen in First Timothy, I mean in First Timothy three seven. Now he's speaking of he's speaking of preachers and qualifications and what's required of preachers. He said he must have a good report of them that aren't without. As he's out with the people of the world, he has to have a good report. Lest he fall into reproach into a snare of the devil. I say something there's something different about that man. He's just gracious. That's what grace does. You've heard me tell the story. I think it was Todd had a, a man who was attending his church over in Lexington. And I can't remember who the man worked for, but the man that he worked for was so impressed with that person that went to Todd's church. He actually called Todd, the preacher, and said, I'd like to know what you preach or who you preach that would produce a man that would be that way. He knew it was not common. He was, knew it was not every day. There was something different. It's grace. Grace. The fragrance of grace will be a blessing to those in the church and those in the world. You remember the alabaster box, the woman with the alabaster box? When she broke that box... She poured it on his head, and now everybody's looking at him, not looking at her. They're looking at him, and the whole building, the whole room was filled with the fragrance of that ointment. Oh, when Christ meets with us, the fragrance of grace fills the whole place. Someone said, Flowers are not concerned about their smell or what people think about them. Spurgeon said, have you ever heard of a rose having a, a lawsuit with a thorn? Because the thorn said the rose did not smell sweetly. The rose just casts forth its perfume and it leaves the thorn to itself. It just does what it was made to do. Don't you think with me. His beauty shall be as the olive tree. His smell is Lebanon. Now listen to me. Wherever a child of God goes, may God give us the grace to leave it in a better place than we found it. May we leave, Spurgeon said, some fragrance behind In Revelation 14, 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do not precede them. Their works do not go with them. Their works do follow them. And they do. They do. Then the last thing, when our Lord sends his dew upon his church, he talks about those that dwell upon his, under his shadow, the shadow of his branches. 
shall return. We're not just we're not just to be concerned about ourselves. When the grace of God dwells, there will be a concern for other people. Who dwells under your shadow? Your family dwells under your shadow. Your children dwell under your shadow. Everyone that you come in contact with, everywhere God puts you, wherever it is, those people dwell under your shadow. And those that dwell under the shadow, he didn't say they might return. They shall return. John Gill said they revive as the corn. For the corn to revive, it has to first die. And then it is quickened. After a cold winter, spring revives it again. And God sends the dew of grace under the shadow of Christ and by the influence of his spirit shall revive the corn. They shall return. They shall grow as the vine. How do vines here grow? Unless they're supported by a tree or by a wall or by some other support, they just lay on the ground. I've seen vines that big around. People, we used to cut them when we were little. We'd cut them and swing on them. But they wrap around a tree. They, they're not just laying on the ground. Something has to support them. And we have to be supported. The scent thereof shall be as Lebanon. It's amazing to be around some people. When you depart from them, they leave a wonderful perfume of grace. It is said of the wines of Lebanon that if you pour some into a glass, the flavor of it will remain a long time after the wine is gone. What does that mean? How would you, how would we, how can I illustrate that so you understand? Well, I have seen some of God's lilies. I have seen some of his vines. I have been allowed by God's grace to be around some of God's people who preached the gospel, and their works did follow them. I had a dear friend named Rupert Robinbark, and I still smell the fragrance of times we used to sit together on his carport and just talk about our Lord. He left a reminder, a fragrance of his grace, and someone else, Brother Henry, his works do follow him. We even read some of his, his writings. It smells of grace. There's an article in the bulletin today, a huge article for Brother Don. It blessed my heart, and I tried to condense it, and I said, no, I'm going to put it just like I found it. And he got it from Brother Henry. <laughs> he smelled the fragrance of grace, and Don wrote it down, and now we still smell of grace. And they're long gone. Don's been dead for two years. But they're still, their works do follow them. And there's a fragrance. 
They were a delight to be around. And he still has preachers living, and we enjoy being in their presence. And you don't have to be a preacher. I enjoy being in your presence. I enjoyed last Sunday. I enjoyed our time together at lunch. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was just being ourselves, just having, just having a good time. Listen, Malachi 3.16. And they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for whom they feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Israel, that once smelled of death, now he speaks life. It is like a loved one who passes away and the whole house smells of that person. Like I said, oh, that wherever we go, that we would leave the world in a better place than what we found it. Next week, we'll try to look and finish up the book of Hosea. We'll try to look at verses 8 and 9.